Welcome to Shaken and Disturbed. Oh, I like this intro. What, did you like that? I like did when, you, like you know what? It's fun because sometimes you sing, sometimes you sound like a burly, like, axe murderer. Oh. Yeah. So burly, not girly. That's my hashtag. Burly, not girly. And I like, I like that you're changing it up every week, frankly. I... I try and change it up every week. In fact, this week we're changing shit up a little bit on Shaken and Disturbed, right? Did you like that segue? I love that. Perfect. I'm a I'm a professional. Uh, so first, you off, could say we're shaking we have... it up a little bit, right? That's kind of what you. Oh, to say. even Ooh. better, we're shaking it up today. Not only do we have a two part episode today, so we're gonna do part That's one right. of this, but uh, we have our own little disturbing <laughs> guest as well. You like see how I did that, John? Uh, that that might have been a bit of a did reach, you? but it's fine. It's okay. Fine. Well. Okay. Uh, if you if you listen to our previous podcast, you've heard her before. Uh, she's got a number of cats that I'm obsessed with. <laughs> she's got a husband who I'm also obsessed with. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, she's into taxidermy. Please, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Megan to Shaken and Disturbed. Crowd goes wild. Crowd goes wild. Megan. Megan, do you have any vocals for us? Any sing-songy things? Any allegories to Shaken and Disturbed you want to start the show off with? Or just a high is good for you? Oh my god, just a high. I'm so happy to be back, you guys. <laughs> you, I thought you, you were going to be you like... You keep your paws off of us is what it is, right, Megan? No, I, I was waiting by the window with my little face <laughs> pressed up against the glass to hear from you after Martinis and Murder ended and... It that, took too long. It that's pretty much what happened, by the way, because fans, you know, a lot of the listeners who moved over to this show, which we are so thankful for, they were like, um, by the way, everything's great, but like, where's Megan? And we're yeah. like, listen, we miss her just as much as you can. But Megan is a surprise guest today. But Megan, you're going to be joining us from time to time over the next, you know, several months. We're going to invite you back as a... Uh, rotating kind of guest host with us. And are you excited about that? Wow, I'm so excited. <laughs> She's like, I just found that out. <laughs> We're excited to have you. What have you been up to? Yeah. Any taxidermy things? What's been going on with you? Uh, I did get a new taxidermy <gasps> recently. It was what? given to me as a Christmas gift, and it's a <gasps> mouse, but it has two heads. Uh, it's what? so good. Uh, wait. Oh, my God. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Wait, 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 wait. Let's stop. Let's stop everything. Well, it, we it, will get it, to it, the it, case, but we need to talk about this. Yeah, and like we're going to get to this very soon, but like I just have to know like is this a, a, like is it was born with two heads? Did, yeah. did someone sew on the other head? Like what? I don't want to presume to know this <laughs> mouse's life yeah. okay. before he came to me. I it seems that he may have been two mice at one point sewn together. Got it. Could sh- could you promise maybe our Patreon people, because I'm not sure <laughs> oh, the general yeah. public could handle it, maybe a picture of this two-headed um, freak of nature mouse that you're listen, talking of? Listen. Yeah, no, listen, we're Don't all freaks. shame the mouse. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, that's true, Darren. How dare you? Uh, that's true. But that's true. Yes, I can totally promise some pictures of that i think you guys will get a kick out of him i certainly do i think he's fabulous that was the update we needed have you been working on any projects outside of building two hats for your two-headed mouse or something like that (laughs) yeah right uh yeah i i have been working on one project uh it's a a podcast of course some of the listeners uh from martinez and murder might know that i direct the new york city rocky horror picture show let's do the time warp again Uh, john john i'm auditioning 
No, I know, you're but hired. Yeah. Back in October, um some of my fellow actors and I we we started this podcast. It's called Rocky Talkie. Oh my god. That's so oh yeah. Good. So the good. camp is high. So it's but launched we... and everything? Yeah, yeah, it's launched. We started right after Halloween, which is hey. like big season for Rocky Horror. Right. We talk about um like Rocky Horror in the news and current events, which happens mm more than you'd think more than i thought we talk about stuff that's going on within the performance community different virtual performances that are coming up that sort of thing and we answer write-in questions that we get from listeners about all the different iterations of rocky horror and the performances mm -hmm. in the community so if you're interested in checking it out if that's your kind of thing we're at rockytalkypodcast.com or you can visit any of our social media at rockytalkypodcast yeah, awesome. Nice. I think and we'll also fun. include it in the show notes of the show on this week's episode. So check it out awesome. there as well. Yeah, who doesn't want more Megan? You know, I certainly, I want... if, given the fact that you have a two-headed mouse in your fucking yeah. household, now I'm going to need absolutely more Megan in our lives. And lucky for you guys, <laughs> you're going to get it. Well, speak, speaking of Patreon, um, yeah. you know, I put my mom, I gave my mom a race. You'll be happy to know she has been paid handsomely for this, but for being my a researcher. prom pictures, for being a researcher, for really diving into the Darren Carp archives, of which there's so many. Um, the museum. But my prom pics, both junior and senior, have gone yeah. up. Um, and, you know, the comments have been fantastic. I, I, I very yeah. much so appreciate this. Um, you know, two different looks. I tried hard to pick my dresses. I still feel pretty, pretty good about it. It's kind of odd seeing me, what, 15 years ago in color. <laughs> uh, and now I have chosen to wear one color, uh, yeah. neither of which I wore to my prom. So there you go. It's just <laughs> there you go. the world can change in 15 years. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. Well, Darren, your prom picks were amazing. Um, Thank you. And if you guys want to check out Darren's prom picks, my prom pick from like a couple weeks ago is up. We have exclusive episodes. Soon we're going to be doing after shows, which I know you a lot of you guys were interested in, um, where we just talk about life. And eventually we're going to have first access to new merch all on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash shaken and disturbed. Or you can click the link in our show notes. Soon um, TBD Megan's two-headed mouse will be, will be visiting the Patreon. Do you have a name for it, Megan? Should we have the Patreon listeners come up with a name for it if you don't? They have names. They have oh. two separate names. Oh. What, they have, oh, they have two separate names. Like, what the fuck? Okay, I, we buried the lead here. What are the names of these? Or should names? we wait? Let's, let's. you know what? That can be the tease. Sign up we for Patreon. Yeah, sign up for Patreon and learn the name of the mice's names. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you guys again for supporting us as an independent podcast. It really means the world to us. You guys are keeping us in the true crime game, uh, posting pictures of two-headed mice. What more could you possibly even ask for? All right. Now on to this very special case. But first, uh, what yeah. are you guys drinking? John, what are you drinking today for the case? Okay. I'm, you know, I'm still finishing this BSB brown sugar bourbon whiskey, but I'm only going to sip it today because Darren, I just want to let the listeners know it's 70 fucking degrees here uh, in Maryland. And after this cold ass snowy winter that we've had in the Northeast, I am so excited. I'm going to go play tennis today in February. So I'm really pumped about that. So I don't want to get too schwasty face. What about you? Fair enough. Well, today's case, we're covering H.H. Holmes, which I'm sure you could gather from the title, which isn't, <laughs> which isn't a particularly 
bloody case, uh, which is interesting. So I thought in order to bring, it's it's a disturbing case, but not particularly bloody. So I am overcompensating today and having a Bloody Mary uh, with mm. this in celebration of it not being an overly bloody um, overly bloody case. But you know yeah, what? Yeah. I just had a craving. And the funny thing is, is I always order tomato juice when I'm on airplanes. And oh, I just, I haven't been on an airplane in a while and I'm craving it. So today I am having a Bloody Mary with tons of vodka. Megan, what are you drinking? <laughs> I had some coffee from this morning that I've oh. thrown a bunch of amaretto into. Ooh, okay. So, ooh. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it's I great. Love, oh my God, there's this Hungarian cafe up by Columbia, New York City that sells coffee with a little amaretto and it is hands down the best. I mean, it just, it spices up a coffee in the way that you need. So. It really does. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, shall we get into today's Let's case? Let's do it. And, gentlemen? and right, by the way, we should uh, remind listeners, this is part one of a two-parter, the second part of this uh, case will come out next week on next week's full episode. So stay tuned and buckle in, as they say. Yeah, there's a lot of details to get in here. There but are. Let's give you a little background. So born on May 16th, 1861, Herman Webster Mudgett, perhaps maybe the best name we've ever covered in <laughs> yeah. our murder history, later history. known as H.H. Holmes, was born in Gilmanton, New Hampshire. And after Holmes would be caught in the murder of his business partner and henchman, he actually wrote a confession to murdering 27 people. Although some of those people were discovered to be alive later on, you know, estimates, and we were reading all about mm. this, kind of put his number of victims as potentially as high as 200. Other people believe this is kind of grossly exaggerated. Unfortunately, this is back in the 1800s where Record keeping, social media, these types of things weren't prominent. And so we're probably never going to know how many victims he actually had. But the confirmed number of victims that we know about is nine so far. And again, estimates are saying up to 200. So there's a lot of uh, TBD with this guy. But regardless of how many murders he committed, the one thing that is very well recorded is that Holmes was a constant scammer and a petty criminal. So he would have kind of been the like... uh, Ponzi scheme guy of our day, right? Like, you know, H.H. Holmes would have tried to short stop, short whatever the GameStop Mm -hmm. stock or whatever was going on a couple (laughs) weeks ago. Like, yeah, totally H.H. Holmes, in my opinion. I agree. Um, He was actually sued more than 50 times in Chicago, often because he refused to pay his debts. Writing about it, he just seems like a schemer. Writing about his life, Holmes described his birthplace as, quote, a tiny, quiet New England village that was nestled among the picturesquely rugged hills of New Hampshire. I never thought about the, I never thought of New Hampshire as being particularly rugged in any sort of way, but... Uh, You know, maybe in the 1800s it was. It was, quote, so remote from the outside world that even a locomotive whistle could scarcely be heard. Oh, my Uh, God. Holmes wrote, Holmes's dad was a farmer and both of his parents had come from English immigrants. Unfortunately, not much is known about his childhood, but but his parents were Methodists who were very religious. Um, Mm. And Holmes's father was reportedly a heavy discipliner who he said raised him with a liberal use of the rod which mm. essentially means that he, it sounds like he used that as a tool for disciplinary action and probably probably beat him uh in some sort of way whether or not that was out of you know any sort of malice or what parents think is good you know again keep in mind this is the 1800s i think that probably was around a lot more than maybe hopefully it's around now but 
It definitely was of a time. Showing signs of high intelligence as a child, Holmes excelled in school where he was bullied. He wrote about a defining incident in his childhood that stuck with him for his entire life. This is often happening. I can, I feel like I can yeah. remember almost every instance of being quote unquote bullied when I was a mm. kid. Do you guys do you feel that way as well? I feel like I remember it really well. You know, it's really interesting. I mean, Darren, I don't know how you sort of like quote unquote handled your sexuality. You know, I know you you've had a very unique and interesting kind of evolution with that yourself. But yeah. as a young gay boy who really didn't know what that meant who loved the spice girls who was doing cartwheels down the hallways in his school um you know you gay just kidding i know can you believe that <laughs> can you actually believe <laughs> um but you know for me it's weird like i do remember a couple of times where i felt uncomfortable but i for whatever reason and i i, I totally ad- admit to and am aware of this privilege didn't really feel bullied per se and I think it was because honestly I've said this before Darren I I remember at least one instance when we were doing a live show where someone asked who our inspirations were and I know it sounds funny but the Spice Girls in in a different way really exuded so much confidence and as a lover of just the music I then became a big fan of them and just seeing people be themselves and be completely um unafraid really gave me my personality in a lot of ways. And I think that played into, um, by the way, this is such a long answer, but I just want to sort of explain it. But what I'm saying is, you know, I think that I got along with everybody or I kind of um, disarmed people who might've been a little like trepidatious about how to, how to talk to a gay kid. And it just, it just kind of blossomed friendships left and right, which I'm so thankful for which obviously not everyone gets to do. Um, So my sort of, you know, arc in terms of bullying was luckily very minimal. Um, Megan, what about you? Did you ever experience something like that? (laughs) Um, Fun fact about me, I have Tourette's syndrome. And oh. it was real bad when I was a kid. So mm. did it did it manifest as like uh, facial tics or was it stuttering or what was the? It was verbal. Manif- I made Got it. so many sounds. Oh, oh boy, I still do when I'm stressed out. But like I can kind of <laughs> keep it to myself. Not when I was six. Forget it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Jesus. You didn't have you the know, knowledge to do that. I'm sure. Wow. So that. So are you saying that manifested into some bullying or? Oh, yeah, of course. Like, I was sitting there making sounds all day long during class. Like, Mm. I was a target. It was not Mm. a great time. I'm sorry to hear that. Eh, it's okay. We all go through, you know, listen, we're lucky to be, you know, level-minded adults at this point in our lives, and we can hopefully take those experiences and turn them into something positive at this point, if it's educating younger kids, if anything. Yeah, Yeah. I definitely feel like it gave me the sort of... Yeah, fuck it kind of outlook <laughs> yeah. that I have on lot, you know, like don't we totally all? Fine. Don't we all? Fine. <laughs> well, and that's a good point because I think, you know, those defining incidents in childhood, which I'm going to mention about H.H. Holmes, is yeah. like, it's interesting because I couldn't remember maybe what I had for breakfast last week, but I can <laughs> right. really remember specific instances. And I think it yeah. just goes to show that not only do we absorb a lot more when we're younger, we also have less distraction to probably absorb it, but those things really shape us. And, you know, yeah. we don't really realize it at the time, but, you know, 
as horrible as it was for you, Megan, it probably made you a stronger adult. I hope it made you a stronger adult and, mm. you know, can kind of can kind of roll with the punches as shitty as the situation was. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly I, like to think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we had no idea. Not that not that we would, but it's it just goes to show that I think you can really turn your life around. Uh, I don't think H.H. H. Holmes is going to have that same fate because I don't think so. Because no. he is on our Shaken and Disturbed podcast. but So here's the incident with him is yeah. claiming to be absolutely terrified of the village doctor's office, that sort of white coat syndrome, if you will. My brother kind of has it. John, I think you I do too. Yes, have I it do. as well, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, Holmes says older classmates brought him struggling and shrieking into mm. the office, quote, until I had been brought face to face with one of its grinning skeletons, which with arms outstretched seems ready in its turn to seize me. Again, this kid, he's a child. So think about seeing this as a kid. He explained, quote, it was a wicked and dangerous thing to do to a child of tender years and health, but it proved in a heroic method of treatment destined ultimately to cure me of my fears and to inculcate me in me. First, a strong feeling of curiosity and later a desire to learn, which resulted years afterwards in my adopting medicine as a profession. So talk about sort of, you know, lemons, you know, making lemonade from lemons kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, with the details we have so far, it's not, I think, a far stretch to say that it sounds like he's certainly struggling with some mental illness here and may which may be a uh, uh, a product of maybe the trauma from his early childhood. Sure. I mean, if you have a father who has a, quote, liberal use of a rod running around waiting to kind of abuse you. As commonplace as it may be, it doesn't change the way I think children in particular receive abuse, you know, so there could be a lot of to me, it just sounds like there's a lot, a lot, a lot going on in his head at this young, early age, sadly. Yeah. Well, another incident that struck with Holmes occurred when he witnessed a photographer who was taking his picture, taking off his prosthetic leg. He wrote, quote, he then proceeded to remove the greater portion of one of his legs and not having known until then what was the cause of his lameness. In fact, not ever, ever having seen or even known that such a thing as artificial limbs existed, my consternation can better be imagined than described. Had he next proceeded to remove his head in the same mysterious way, I should not have been further surprised. I mean... Also, what a way, like, you can just tell how language has really evolved, even from, like, 150 years ago. Like, I I should not have been further surprised is not something that we would say uh, these days. Well, Holmes is... Great, great, great grandson who inherited two of his journals said that Holmes wrote about being raped by a priest. Oh, my God. This guy, I mean, obviously we can't prove this. Of You know, it's all anecdotal, but the fact that we he's kind of writing about it, you know, gives it a in little a bit of, yeah. uh, gives it clout here. Now, during adolescence, Holmes became interested in medicine and anatomy, and there are some reports that he performed surgery on animals, which is interesting because a lot of times what we see from murderers is them, you know, being cruel mm-hmm. to animals as sort of that first step. He, it's unclear when he was reporting, you know, doing surgery on animals if that was sort of a a nod into his medicinal you know doctoral future and or this sort of torturous i want to learn about the body so i can handle my victims appropriately in the future it's kind of hard to say i've never really read something like that before yeah and there's also this thing i think when you compare it the parallel to you know the other end of it where people you know are killing animals as precursors to people it could be something where he's in control of a life. You know what I right. mean? Like whether it's a surgery or whether it's killing, 
there's this weird sort of um, practice, if you will, of can I get away with changing this this thing's life? And that that kind of makes it creepy, honestly. That's a that's a good point. <laughs> um, take a drink there now. Before turning twenty one, Holmes married the daughter of a wealthy New Hampshire family, according to Harper's. So, all right, he's married young, but again, that was the sign of the times back then. In fact, twenty almost seems old for the eighteen hundreds. So maybe yeah. this will be what turns his life around. Yeah, well, his wife helped fund his education. He attended the University of Vermont from 1879 to 1880, which, by the way, doesn't this sound like so long ago? But it really kind of wasn't. It was, you know, it was the beginning of the of the last cent, the end of the hundred. Okay, actually, years ago. you know what? As I say that, I'm like, yeah, that's a long time ago. But anyway, um, no. he attended Ver- University of, of Vermont and the University of Michigan's Department of Medicine and Surgery in Ann Arbor, graduating in 1884. In medical school, Holmes excelled in chemistry and anatomy. A criminal profiler told the documentary America's First Serial Killer that Holmes was most likely indulging in his fantasies while working on cadavers. Exactly. Which, That's what I'm yeah. thinking of, you know, is a yeah, way to totally. kind of play it out in this guise of, oh, I'm doing it for medicine. It's work. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. It's my job. Exactly. What, do you want, what do you want me to do? Yeah, well, like when my girlfriend catches me watching reality TV eight hours a day, I say, hey, <laughs> it's research for my job. You know what I, I mean? Like it, I got I think that work. you have more hours in the day than most humans. I think you somehow have worked something out with with Jesus or something. I, I don't know. Me and Jesus are very close friends. So um, <laughs> it would make sense that I worked something out with that guy. Interesting. You know? We'll come back yes. to that. But anyway, yes. um, he also told the documentary that most serial killers don't finish college, which I think is true based on even just our conversations over the years, Darren, um, saying it's not that they aren't smart enough, but that they don't have the self-discipline and focus. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I agree with that because I don't know. Serial killers are very focused, if you ask me. Or and and it seemed and it does and obviously not all we can't make a sweeping generalization yeah. but it does seem like a lot of the serial killers we've covered have to be disciplined in some yeah. sort of way whether that's methodical in how they kill but also the covering up of the kill you know we sort yeah, of saw totally. in Dexter which is obviously the scripted version of what a serial killer looks like there was nothing more deliberate and self disciplined than Dexter. You know, like mm. everything was was really thought out to the last second. Obviously, not everyone's like that, but. I yeah. don't know. It seems it doesn't seem for lack of self-discipline and focus to me. That's yeah, all. exactly. Yeah, that's true. Um, although we've seen a number of exceptions, really, especially from serial killer serial killers who studied medicine, like doctors Harold Shipman and Michael Swango. Shipman, an English doctor, murdered fifteen patients. Remember, and Swango, also known as Doctor Death, murdered up to sixty. So that's another thing to consider. There were also serial killer nurses like Kristen Gilbert and Charles Cullen. These are just some of the names that come to mind. Holmes reportedly began developing what would be a lifelong scam for him in medical school, stealing cadavers, mutilating them, and claiming they died in accidents and trying to collect insurance money. What? Wow. Yeah. That's <laughs> that was not... a... What a scam, dude. What the a scam. of all scams. I'm almost um, impressed that, like, the level of commitment to do that. First off, how easy yeah. is it to steal a cadaver? It I know. I was be thinking easy. that, too. Yeah. I don't well, know. in the 1800s, it's, it's probably a little easier. Mm, yeah, I guess no security, no security footage or whatever. But, like, it's a big, <laughs> you know, I often talk about, like, just the weight 
of that has to be heavy, you know? Like, it's yeah. him carrying it out. It's got to be just crazy. But he's a young guy, s- so maybe he can handle it. I'm just going to uh, say one quick thing to anyone who's watching WandaVision. Um, think, are you thinking what I'm thinking? That's just for the WandaVision fans, you guys, Darren and Megan. <laughs> no, it won't make Megan sense to you. Megan and I are gripped you. by this. No, we're gripped by it. it Megan and I were going to say the same sense. thing, but um, um, you, you beat us to it. I'm so sorry, Darren. I, I have no. something to tell you. I'm obsessed with WandaVision. Oh, my God. Megan, oh welcome boy. to the show. Jesus Christ. John Megan, you're perfect. replacing Darren on the show. Oh, great. Oh, great. Okay. All right. Okay, Megan, That's let's great. talk after this then about WandaVision oh, wonderful. and, and stealing cadavers. And Darren, don't text me, in fact, after this. No, yeah. I'll, um, I'll, I won't text both of you. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> anyway, Sounds back good. to I'll this. I'll be watching WandaVision. Yeah, that's yeah. right. There you go. <laughs> Um, back to this story because it's getting very creepy. One night, a body disappeared en route to the university dissecting room, and an Ann Arbor resident died after a brief and sudden illness, leaving homes to collect on the life insurance policy. This is absolutely crazy. Mm. So in the next couple of years after medical school, Holmes spent time in New York and Philadelphia and other cities scheming and scamming and working a variety of jobs at pharmacies and for a short spell as a keeper of an insane asylum. I mean... You know, it's easy to sit in this, you know, in our pretend studio and talk about this. And, you know, it's it sounds crazy to us, but it's like maybe they just didn't. I mean, like Megan was just kind of pointing out so correctly, like there weren't secure. There wasn't security footage. It's probably way easier to do this in the 1800s than it is now. It just sounds so crazy. What I find it's like it's (laughs) actually very and I'm not encouraging this, but it's actually kind of clever the way that he's doing this <laughs> because he's, well, because he's taking this trusted position no, of a pharmacist or a doctor yeah. and putting or an it on insane its insane asylum person. Yeah. Right. And like putting it on its head a little bit. And he's clearly smart enough to get into medical school. He clearly has the, the grades. He went to Michigan. You know, obviously we were talking about how he's smart, but like. It's uh, it's like sick for sure, but it's oddly yeah. smart to do it like this. I love that Megan and I are like fans of WandaVision. Darren, fans of H.H. Holmes. She thinks he's a great, interesting guy. He's I, smart. I just, <laughs> listen, you appreciate what little things, you know, like that's it. You just <laughs> no, appreciate I get little it. things. Well, Holmes was thought to have even poisoned a boy while working at a pharmacy in Philadelphia. But he denied it. He would later write, quote, One afternoon, a child entered the store and exclaimed, I want a doctor. The medicine we got here this morning has killed my brother. I could remember of no sale that morning corresponding to the one she hastily described, but I made sure that a physician physician was at once sent to the house, and having done this, I hastily wrote a note to my employer stating the nature of the trouble and left the city immediately for Chicago. As one does. As when one you are, does. As one does. I mean, first off, it's we can't prove this, so I'm not going to say that he committed this murder. It's hard to say. I mean, yeah. you know, it's interesting because if you're like, as a pharmacist, you'd kind of think that like keeping your um, business alive means also yeah. keeping your customers alive. So well, this does right. seem just not a good incentive. Um, but him right. leaving for the city immediately for Chicago from Philadelphia is, a, is suspect Sketch. to me. It's sketch, sketch, for sure. It's all sketch, yeah. Well, sketch look great. At this time, oh. Herman Mudgett changed his name to Henry Howard Holmes. He arrived in Chicago in 1886. He also married the daughter of a wealthy family from a Chicago suburb named Myrta Belknap in 1886. Belknap, already... I think it is. Belknap. Belknap, I'm sorry, you're right. Yeah. Belknap. 
He was uh, already married, which, of course, she didn't know. It was the start of the Gilded Age in America, which was approximately from 1870 to 1900, a time when skilled workers made higher wages in America than in Europe, bringing in a large influx of European immigrants, including my own, Darren, who I believe were blacksmiths from Scotland. Just wanted to share oh, that with you. Very cool. I believe my ancestors came over here in like 1907 uh, and we were actually entrepreneurs, oddly enough. Um, mm. But it, it does seem like he, you know, remade, this is what's so suspicious. I mean, something happens <laughs> and granted, maybe back then, you know, the court of law wasn't as stringent as maybe it is today. So if someone dies from the pharmacy, it's right. possible he thought that he would be kind of guilty by association and so fled and to avoid fled, this. yeah. That's entirely possible. I mean, it's sketch either way, but we the, the sign of the times also makes something itself here. But him moving to Chicago and quote unquote marrying someone else while also being married um, yeah. just goes to show that he's trying to like remake his life. I'm curious about what happened to his old life after he fled. But yeah. Holmes found work at the E.S. Holton Drugstore in Englewood, a suburb of south uh, suburb south of Chicago that was a busy train hub. Holmes was reportedly a hard worker. Eventually, bought the drugstore from the couple that owned it. Although there are rumors that he did kill that couple. Owning the drugstore was lucrative and Holmes would buy and sell properties under numerous aliases. But he also remained a steady con man, bilking money from creditors and coming up with scams like selling mineral water from a certain spring, which was really (laughs) just the city's tap water. Although, you know what? I don't blame him for this because that's every water company uh, (laughs) living in New York with amazing tap water. If you want to bottle a piece of shit water and... Charge $10. I am sure there are people who are going to buy this thing. Um, in 18- it also kind of reminds me of like essential oils, though. I'm going to be honest. I know a lot of people right. are selling essential oils, but like, I don't know. Do we know the long term effect of them? I don't know. Let's keep it going. Yeah. And like, if I had a serious illness, I'm not trusting lavender and eucalyptus <laughs> to cure me. Like, granted, it might make me yeah. smell good and feel good, but like, mama needs Western medicine. That's just yes. a fact for me. What, well, 1880. I don't need H.H. Holmes, for the record. I just need Western (laughs) medicine. I just want to state that clearly. And in 1888, Holmes bought a large property across the street from his drugstore at Wallace Avenue and 63rd Street. Today, there's a Whole Foods, a Chipotle, (laughs) and a Walgreens within a food box at that intersection. So, you know, things have Things, you know, haven't changed changed. and and changed, yeah. The new construction actually took up an entire city block. It was so large that Englewood residents named it the Castle, and Holmes referred to it by the same name. Now, obviously, if you know H.H. Holmes, you know the Murder Castle, Murder Mansion, Murder Hotel. Um, This is sort of how it was later dubbed, the World's Fair Hotel. Uh, But when we're talking about the Murder Castle, we're certainly talking about this in, in particular. Now... After Holmes was eventually caught, investigators reportedly discovered a, a, a labyrinth layout of halls and doors leading to nowhere, trap doors, gas chambers, and Ugh. chutes used to dump bodies into a basement crematorium. This oh, guy dear. is not nothing but, hello, self-disciplined and focused. That's all I'm going to say. Okay? <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, so... I mean, to have a labyrinth of layout and halls and doors leading nowhere, which is kind of my dream, by the way, of having these like secret hidden paths and houses, uh, feels very elaborate and feels like it would take a lot of planning. I'm just going to say it again for the Megans out there of the world. It's very WandaVision. That's all I'm going to say. No spoilers. (laughs) Very WandaVision. Let's keep it going. Oh, Lord. Well, according to biography.com... 
It's okay. I allow it because now, now I'm outnumbered here and Megan's You on. are. Um, you are actually. You're if right. Megan disappears next week, I don't know what's going to happen. Now, according to that biography. That'd also be pretty WandaVision. Yeah. Well, oh, God. True, I, yes. hate, I hate everyone officially on this podcast now. I hate you both. According to biography.com, the Chicago Tribune reported, quote, its stairways ended nowhere in particular. Winding passages brought the uninitiated with a frightful jerk back to where they had started from. There were rooms that had no doors. There were doors that had no rooms okay and like this is a how little do you bit have a, a room like, without a door yeah like, like what are how do you get in there about, how do you get in there this hey, isn't harry potter okay i'm sure what they the got fuck in is somewhere. happening uh, author harold Schechter <laughs> said that holmes himself was the architect of the building no shit and said that he had a rotating what? crew of construction workers whom he often fired and it's probably because they didn't want them to know enough about the plans so we kept firing yeah. them to change it, you know, so that way they only knew a little chunk. That's what I was thinking of when I was reading about him. And he might have yeah. a mason worker put up a wall or a carpenter build a staircase and then fire them and hire new people mm-hmm. to add on additional parts to the house. So that's why I think it was sort of in order to be obfuscating, he needed to hire yeah. and fire. Absolutely. And I mean, not for nothing, though. I mean, to go back to that point that we're kind of making a joke about, it's like, he seems very focused. If he's really thinking of all these things, and even just, you know, his writing, I'm so glad we have that in our research because you really get the sense that that, did I just say it? You get that? the sense that. Yeah. You get the you get sense the that. Yeah. <laughs> he's Is Southerners in-, <laughs> in WandaVision too, or is this just a no, podcast thing? No, that's or? just okay, me, cool. sadly. Okay. I'm, cool, cons- cool, cool. I'm technically Southern. But anyway. You know, that he's a very intellectual guy. And totally. I think that is totally contributing to what will be the horrors of this case in next week's episode as well. Um, Holmes allegedly fired and hired workers for two reasons. One, so he didn't have to pay them because he would claim they'd done shoddy work after letting them go. So that no one really knew the bizarre nature of the castle's layout. Uh, the documentary America's First Serial Killer noted that the second story contained... 35 rooms some of them designed specifically to be killing chambers what ew that just gave me chills um the basement jesus the basement allegedly resembled a medieval torture dungeon with vats of acids and lime pits for destroying bodies it reminds me of Eyes Wide Shut with like Tom Cruise going to that like yeah. secret sex dungeon party where everyone's oh, wearing masks yeah. and it's like super hidden and creepy. Like obviously no killing went on there, but it definitely <laughs> makes me think of that. And for all of yeah. you guys who are watching Real Housewives of Atlanta, Candy's Sex Dungeon from a few weeks oh, ago's yes. episode, Lord, oh, yes. bring me to life. I, I don't normally who mention Bravo that? in here, but yeah, but who said that? That was a good one. Who said uh, that? But my God, like. Dungeon, yes, Dungeons. I love that we went from, like, a sci-fi show to Housewives. Like, it runs the gamut here, folks, with pop culture. It really does. It does. Um, Others claim there's no real evidence to support that this building had all of these killing or torture features and believe many of these details were made up to sell newspapers in what was a fairly common practice in the late 1800s called yellow journalism. Um what we know today for sure we just that call that journalism just regular um, journalism in I 2021 think that's what we call it now it's basically yeah. to try and get a headline uh yeah, and, pretty and much to try to sell bait. newspapers exactly it's yeah. clickbait essentially it's clickbait. exactly yeah if there were clicks back then um yeah. what we know for sure is that the first floor of murder castle was dedicated to retail space and included a restaurant a pharmacy a barber 
uh, a, a, sorry, a barber shop, a jewelry store, and a blacksmith shop, Darren. Maybe my ancestors were working. This guy's there. fucking rich, dude. Right? Like, he's, uh, he's like the Batman of serial killers. But, like, um, the opposite of Batman. Yeah. Like, 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 right. But, like, the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. no. Like, he has no tech to him, <laughs> but he's just, he's got a lot of things. A money pretty, and things. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. Well, he rented out the second floor to tenants, and although he claimed the third story was going to be a hotel, it was never completed. Quote, the whole hotel idea was just a vehicle to swindle suppliers and investors and insurers, Adam Seltzer, author of The True History of the White City Devil, told History.com. When the castle was being constructed, Holmes had a huge safe that looked more like a bank vault installed. By the way, that's kind of cool, though. I kind of like that kind of, awesome. you know, cartoonish level decoration right with the um, big like steering wheel of the thing yeah, to open it like an up acme and... anvil outside of it. yeah exactly gold coin yeah, yeah full bullion, of gold coin. yeah for sure he wouldn't make payments on the vault so the bank tried to repossess it at one point but the walls of the building had been constructed around the vault so that it was almost part of the construction and holmes threatened to sue the bank back if they damaged his foundation so listen that in and of itself is a little bit of a scheme if you think about it you know, like building that into your house. I, I got to give credit to these schemers for like almost thinking of everything. Because like to <laughs> me, it just seems like, first off, I, I, I am like so much of a goody goody that it like scare me to get in trouble in any sort of way. Me but too. like it just takes so much like intellectual prowess to get <laughs> yes. this done. And I'm not saying in a good yeah. way. I'm just saying it like it really does require you thinking nine steps ahead of everybody. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Requiring a a lot of energy. Um, You know, the first person that Holmes claims to have murdered was Dr. Robert Leacock, his friend and former classmate at the University of Michigan's Department of Medicine and Surgery. Holmes already committed the murder to collect on his $40,000 life insurance policy in 1886 by giving him an overwhelming dose of laudanum after enticing Leacock to visit him in Chicago. Laudanum I've actually heard of before. Can one of you guys potentially Google what $40,000 in 1886 is converted to today's dollars? Or did you already I, do that? I did that. It's uh, forty oh, thousand dollars in 1886 would be worth about 1.3 million dollars today. What a life That's insurance a policy, bro! Like yeah. Jesus, I'm almost surprised <laughs> they even had that back then. Like I know, I, true. I, I, I didn't know that. He also wrote that his excitement at collecting the money was overshadowed by the torturing thought that I had taken a human life, and that he quote mm. never sinned so heavily, even in his thoughts. And you think that's probably because of his religious upbringing. Remember, his parents were very religious. So there's that. It has to be kind of related to that. So collecting Mm -hmm. of the money is overshadowing all this sort of guilt that he's Mm. feeling. Quote, later, like the man-eating tiger of the tropical jungle whose appetite for blood has once been aroused, I roamed about the world (laughs) seeking whom I could destroy, he he wrote. Again, this is 1800s language. Um, (laughs) This is is ripped straight out of my 1886 diary. Uh, Like the man-eating tiger of a tropical jungle that I am. As someone who has a very expensive uh, piece of paper called an English degree sitting on his yes. wall right now, I can tell you, though, like growing up in New England, especially like up in Vermont and like the New Hampshire, New, you know, American literature was very, very ripe at this point, And he's probably totally. surrounded by a lot of contemporary uh, big names that we study in college textbooks these days. So. I'm wondering if this was sort of not even just his own influence, um, or rather influence of other people, but 
you know, this may just be the way people in that region were speaking because they're the biggest names. You know, we have the Kim Kardashians now, but, you know, those those literature and those authors um, from back in the day were kind of the biggest names in the world or at least in the country at the moment. So and just at least I'm using my English degree. OK, guys. Like, and at least by live. saying later, like the man eating tiger of the tropical genre <laughs> yeah. whose appetite for blood has once been aroused. I roam the world seeking whom I could destroy is really the description of Megan's new podcast. That's true. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Cool. Congratulations. Um, Good job, Megan. Megan. We wrote it for you. Uh, basically. I appreciate it. That's <laughs> our tagline now. Yes. That's uh, our tagline. I, I had um, once been aroused, but now I'm roaming the world. Now, Benjamin yeah. Pit- Pitizel, who teamed up to commit scams with Holmes, arrived in Chicago in 1889 with his wife Carrie and five children. Pitizel had a drinking problem and had been arrested for petty crimes like forgery, but had always worked hard trying to provide for his family, taking jobs as a manual laborer. Now, in Chicago, he answered one of Holmes's ads, seeking a carpenter to work on the castle. The two ended up becoming pretty close friends, and Pitizel, who was a big guy compared to Holmes, basically became his right-hand man. A security mm. guard, it almost seems like, if you will. <laughs> Holmes claims his second victim was a man named Dr. Russell, who was a tenant at the castle. The two got into an argument in what Holmes described as an outer office because Dr. Russell was late on his rent. Mm. Holmes struck him in the head with a heavy chair. What, like, Ugh. what a weapon! A heavy fucking chair. Since Holmes hadn't expected to kill anyone, he locked the door to the office while trying to figure out what to do with the body. He wrote, quote, I found it difficult, if not impossible, to thus dispose of it, and was directed to call upon a party to whom I sold the bodies and whose name I withhold. Holmes very, reportedly- very awkward. Yes, and Holmes would reportedly <laughs> dissect bodies in his basement and sell their organs and skeletons to medical schools or museums on the black market. And Holmes so do the medical schools are yeah. like, are they like, oh, good, you do have an extra liver. We've been needing that. Here's 20 bucks. Like, uh, do they not investigate how somebody just randomly you know, has body parts? I would, what I would say. in the 1800s? It, that's yeah. what I was going to say, Megan. Like, think about the time. I mean, and you know, yeah. not for nothing, but for a medical researcher to get a hold of any type of body part um, is probably got to be really exciting. Um, and I don't, I'm not sure like what the protocol is for asking, but you know, I don't (laughs) think the assumption there was like, oh, they just stole it out of, you know, I think that was originally why, um, donating organs, like you couldn't pay someone to do it because they didn't want to incentivize people being killed in order to sell the organs. Yeah. It's very interesting, um, to see this kind of play out. Again, this is such an interesting scheme. Uh, Holmes wrote that he sold Dr. Russell's body to the man and other bodies at later dates. He was paid $25 to $45 for each body, which Mm. is about $700 to $1,300 accordingly in today's money. Um, And and I I think I want to end it there because this is sort of a really good part uh, to it to pick up next week. But, you know, him kind of killing these people and selling off their body parts not only is smart because then it's hard to trace uh where everything came from but have you guys ever seen the movie fried green tomatoes long time ago yeah well megan you know what i'm sure you know what part i'm talking about where they kill the guy (laughs) and then cook him up you know secrets in the sauce it's kind of like a clever version of that in a way you know it's it's disposing (laughs) of the evidence um maybe they were inspired by this story the producers of that movie perhaps uh, maybe there's certainly more to get to here but that is part one where i think we should we should end because yeah uh, that's a good spot it gets super good uh going forward this is sort of just the beginning of hh homes for sure (laughs) yeah that's right 
Well, Darren, um, let's do some listener shout outs as we wind down part one. Um, Dewan on Patreon saw Darren's prompt picks and said, dang, dad, I already had a girl crush, but my boyfriend just said I can take you out. And I was Ooh. like, okay, take you out to dinner. Like, take you oh, out like grappling? death. Okay. Like death? Oh. Is she going to murder you? I don't know. Um, <laughs> wow, let's keep an eye there. on that one. Let's keep John? an eye on that one. Yeah. Uh, Martiza on Patreon also said, um, dad, why do you look exactly the same? Gorgeous as always. I, 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 I think I had a little bit more baby weight on my face maybe back then. I certainly think that my face is matured no. appropriately. Um, no. I feel like I have more, not wrinkles necessarily, but an older vibe. But yeah, you're right. I fucking don't. Like, no, you me. don't. You don't look any different. You didn't have any, um, it's not that you, like you weren't. What's the like? I, I'm not saying like you were like not developed like in your facial features. It's just you have a very classically young looking face in a good way. You know what I mean? Good oh, for thank you. you. You're um, welcome. Meg- Megan, I think you need to create prom outfits for your two headed mouse and then post those oh on our Patreon page. If there's something that you could do to make that happen. <laughs> I really am putting you to the test here, Megan, but it, it's something's got to give either a hat or a corsage, something. You know, I think I think we can probably make that happen. Make I know happen. you can. I know you can. <laughs> Darren, why don't you well, do the we'll last shout out, by the way? Go ahead, Megan. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just saying, well, we'll, we'll see what I can come up with on Patreon. <laughs> I have no doubt about that you will come up with something good. And the last... Uh, shout out I have is actually a birthday shout out. Now, oh. um, it's a birthday shout out to Keith. So we should also say happy birthday to Keith. Now, his wife, Paige, happy reached out to me on Instagram and told us that uh, they found us, actually, all three of us on Martinis and Murder back in August of 2020, right before Keith got diagnosed with a, a pretty severe and rare spinal cancer, I believe. And we sort of helped mm. them get through their days. They had to quarantine. They have children. COVID times. You know, oh August God. was just really shitty. Um, his birthday is Saturday. So technically, when you're listening, to it, it was yesterday. Yesterday on February 27th. I know we're a little bit of a day late, but Keith, we love you. We love you, Paige. Happy. We're here for birthday. We're here for you and happy fucking birthday, dude. Yes, happy birthday. My God, what what an enormous kind of thing to go through. But sounds like um, you know, Keith is on the other side of it. So congrats, you guys. Well, happy birthday. We're here for yes. you and we fucking love you. Um, and that's it for part ones of H.H. Holmes on Shaken and Disturbed. Please rate, review, scribe to us. Uh, and wherever you listen to podcasts, right? I mean, that's that's kind of the that's thing. Right. And 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 Rocky Talkie, did I get that right? Rocky Talkie is available Rocky now, talkie. courtesy of Megan. And of course, join us on Patreon for all kinds of fun bonus content and goodies. There's also a little like community kind yeah. of blossoming over there. You guys probably want to be a part of it. Patreon.com/slash Shaken and Disturbed, all one word, or you can click the link in our show notes. Megan, thank you for joining us today. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. This is so much fun. You'll come back for part two, right? We gave you homework. Okay, good. We need you back. I got homework. Yeah, Yeah, we gave you a little (laughs) homework here. Uh, We did ask a lot of Megan on today's episode, but it's fine. She knows what she's getting herself into. Yeah. Or does she? See you guys next week for part two of Holmes and no Wanda fucking vision. Jesus Christ. No, there will be. And there will be Rocky Horror singing. Let's do the time warp again. It's just a jump to the left. Okay. Yes. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.